church, we've been three weeks in the book of Genesis, Genesis 1. And in those three weeks, we saw, first of all, the summary statement in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the summary of the whole chapter. Verse 2 was kind of the state there from what I believe is a pre-creation chaos that existed from an earlier creation. And then beginning in verse 3, let there be light. We have the six days of creation. And uh, as, as we pointed out, uh, they're, they're beautifully, uh, it's a literary masterpiece. The days 1, 2, and 3 correspond respectively to days 4, 5, and 6, form and filling. And uh, the whole thing is just beautiful. And each day we read there was evening and there was morning the first day, the second day, third day. Now we come to the seventh day, and it's different. It begins chapter 2, but there, there's no chapter division added until the 1500s. So that's not really there. It's just part of the creation unit. And the first three verses give us the seventh day. The seventh day, unlike the first six days, is not a day of creation, but a day of rest. And uh, it introduces the concept of Sabbath. The word's not there, but the concept is there. And Sabbath actually becomes a very important principle and truth throughout the rest of the Bible. And so we're going to just uh, make sure we can unpack that. Uh, would you stand with me as I read those three verses? Genesis 2, 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is God's holy word. Please be seated might have noticed a lot of repetition, simple sentences repeated uh, several times. When he says in verse 1, the heavens and the earth were completed, he is reprising chapter 1, verse 1. He's kind of restating chapter 1, verse 1. But then he adds, and all the host of them, the word host in this context is referring to the stars. Sometimes it can refer to the angelic armies, sometimes to the stars. Here is the, the stars. God created the heavens and the earth and all the stars in the skies. So kind of recapping that. Then in verse 2, he repeats that key verb of verse 1, that God finished the work. In the first chapter, we, the emphasis was God created, but in this little section, you're going to notice a couple of times, God finished, God finished, and that will become important to us. Verse 2, and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. That's going to prepare us to the work of Jesus Christ later and him finishing it. Now, God rested on the seventh day, uh, to be sure, not because he was tired. Omnipotence does not grow tired. It was the rest of completion. And that's just going to fit into the finishing that we're going to see in the New Testament. It was the rest. It's done. It's over. And so it was the rest of completion, not the rest of weariness, something like that. Now, in verse 2, he not only repeated uh, the work, uh, the, the verb, finished, but he had the word rested, which is almost the same as the word for Sabbath. We'll unpack that a little bit later. So verse 3, he repeats this key verb, rested. When we read, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. In fact, the, the word Sabbath basically means rest, and in Hebrew, it's just so similar. So in verses 1 through 3, the word Sabbath did not occur, but the concept occurs. In fact, it occurs in several ways. Um, verses 
2 and 3 include twice him saying the seventh day, the seventh day. And the word seventh, the Hebrew word seventh, is very similar to the Hebrew, Hebrew word for Sabbath. But particularly the verb rested. Verse 2, God rested. Verse 3, God rested. Uh, that is the word Sabbath. In fact, uh, pull it up on the screen. The, word, the verb rested would be uh, put in English letters as Shabbat. And the word Sabbath is put in English words as Shabbat, two Bs. So a Hebrew reader would immediately be thinking Sabbath. And so God is cluing us in that this is introducing this special Sabbath, even though the word isn't there. Now, at the start of going back to verse 3, at the start of that, remember he says, so God blessed the seventh day. He blessed it. Normally we would think, well, God blesses people. But here he says he blessed the seventh day. He's making it special. He, he blessed the seventh day and made it holy, holy. Um, uh, the providence of God, uh, our worship team is going to sing a song after this, and I forget the exact words, but, but God, you know, you're holy, there is no one like you. And I don't know if the songwriter realized, he just gave a great theological definition for holy. Holy doesn't mean, in essence, sinless or blameless. It means different. It means different. Whenever we say God is holy, He's different than anything else in creation. He is different. And so to say that the seventh day is, is, is holy is it's different. This day stands apart from the other six days. And we'll see some of the ways that it's different. So he's introducing this very important biblical concept of Sabbath. And what we're going to do now is not uh, spend most of our time just on that paragraph, which is my normal practice, but we've got to kind of give a biblical overview the first time we get to Sabbath. And so I'm going to have a five movements in which we're going to take 10 minutes and we're going to get an overview what the Sabbath says in the Bible. Now, the first movement, the next big passage about Sabbath occurs in the Ten Commandments. So now we're in Exodus 20. Now, you may know, may remember that the Ten Commandments, is, they're recorded twice in the Old Testament. Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. And the fourth commandment in both places is the Sabbath. Now, in Exodus 20, we come to it first. And there we read, beginning in verse 8, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Keep it special. Keep it different. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Moving down to verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day, Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, what he's doing is when he introduces the Sabbath day as part of the Ten Commandments, he is rooting it in creation, in the account of creation back in Genesis 2, 1 through 3. What he is saying to the people of Israel, every time you keep the Sabbath, remember that God rested on his seventh day, that he worked, he finished the work, and then he rested. And you do the same thing. Here is a here is a biblical principle of creation. You rest one day in seven. Now, verse 11, if we could kind of press into that, that is almost the specific language of chapter 2, verse 3 in Genesis that I read earlier. Do you, do you see it as you're looking at it in the screens, how, how similar it is? He says, for in six days, that was there. The Lord God made heaven and earth, that was there. The sea and all that is in them. And rested on the seventh day, that was there and that was there. 
rested in seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. That was the exact language. He is specifically going back to the seventh day of creation and saying to them, you do what God did. He took a Sabbath rest. You take a Sabbath rest. Remember, God is your creator. All right, he, he does that. Now, the Sabbath would become huge for Israel. Right now, it's just, you know, introduces the law. But throughout the rest of the Old Testament, even if you go to Israel today, you know, I take a yearly tour to Israel normally. And uh, even today in Israel, uh, that's huge. In fact, there became three big identity markers for the Jews. And there's still identity markers today. One is circumcision for eighth day for the males, but nobody sees that. Secondly is eating. And uh, the dietary laws, the kosher laws, that's still huge in Israel. It was huge in the Old Testament, the kosher dietary practices. But the third one is Sabbath. And that was so big in the Old Testament. And even today in, the, in Israel, Israel today is a secular state. But there's a cadre of Orthodox Jews, and the rabbis have a lot of clout. And so they make sure that there's a veneer of Sabbath across the, 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 the land. For example, uh, we get there on a Thursday uh, we go to the Sea of Galilee, and uh, Thursday is, is fairly normal, but our tour guide, Kenny Jerome, he says, okay, tomorrow, Queen Shabbat is coming. And that's how they refer to it, it's Queen Shabbat, not just Shabbat, Queen Shabbat. And then Friday at sundown, three stars appear on the skies. The rabbis, you know, have it all mechanized now and everything. Here is when the, the Sabbath begins. And from Friday night to Saturday night, everything is different. Town shut down. You know, we don't have our regular coffee maker going because they just change things. In fact, there are three elevators that you go up. And on that Sabbath, um, there's a Shabbat elevator that you cannot push the button to go up to your floor. Because it's going to be programmed in advance to stop at every floor. <laughs> you know why that is? Because you wouldn't want an Orthodox Jew to go in there and have to work to push that floor button. So the rabbis make sure, hey, if you want our business, you better have a Shabbat elevator on Saturday. So even today in secular Israel, the Sabbath is huge. It was a boundary marker. So the rest of the Old Testament. Now the second big movement occurs in the next Ten Commandments passage, and that's found in Deuteronomy 5. In Deuteronomy 5, beginning in verse 12, but he puts a nuance to it here. Deuteronomy 5, 12, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. He commanded them back in Genesis, Exodus 20. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Then down at 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. He doesn't say, remember the seventh day of creation. Now he's going to the Exodus. He says, remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So you get rest from your slavery. Now, so two things the Jews remembered about the Sabbath every Saturday. You know, Sabbath was the seventh day, the Saturday. Sunday's the first day of the week. Okay, Sabbath uh, they were to remember, first of all, God's our creator. Secondly, God is our redeemer. Firstly, that God, uh, God finished the work of creation and he rested. Secondly, God rescued us out of our slavery to Egypt. Every Sabbath, they would remember that. Over and over and over. Now, in the New Testament, let me just kind of jump ahead for a few moments. In the New Testament, the early Christians started meeting on Sunday rather than Saturday to worship day. Because the resurrection took place on Sunday. And every Sunday, 
when the Christians worshiped, they remembered God rescuing us out of our slavery to sin. Jewish Holy Day, remember the exodus out of slavery to Egypt. Christians, we remember in communion every Sunday morning that God rescued us out of our slavery to sin. So, guys, this is, this is an important part of, of worship. In fact, I consider it the high point of worship. You know, we're free not to celebrate communion every week. The Bible doesn't really say. Some folks do it every quarter, one day, some do it every month. But, but at some point, I got the conviction I wanted it weekly. Because the cross is central to our faith. And every week we remember in a very tangible way, God rescued me out of slavery and I can rest. I rest in him. I rest in him. And so when you take communion every week, uh, you know, pause before you do and remember uh, what it means. You're, you're, you're rescued out of your slavery from sin. All righty. So that's the second movement. We had the Ten Commandments in Exodus and the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy. Now, the third movement I'm just going to lump all together is the rest of the Old Testament. Uh, too many passages. The rest of the Old Testament, the Sabbath is huge. It's big. You know, it's all, all kind of, but there's a problem that got introduced. And the problem was this. The rabbis and the Pharisees and the religious leaders started adding all these man-made rules to what God had said, keep the Sabbath. As a gift to you. And, and they added all these man-made rules. For example, here was one of their rules. The Pharisees said, this was about the time of Jesus. He said, you know, if you come along and, and you spit on the Sabbath, it's okay if you spit on a rock. No harm done. But if you spit on the ground, you spit on the dirt, well, that's going to make mud. And that's used to make mortar, which is used to make bricks. That's working. It's okay to spit on a rock, but not okay to spit on the dirt. And we're just reminded of the, of the minutia. And they got all of these man-made rules and lost the purpose of Sabbath, which was remember God, remember a Savior, remember a Creator. And this is something for your good, for your benefit, to have a rest day. It became a, a day of burdens. Now, Jesus shows up. Do you think he kept all those man-made rules? Not a chance. And those religious leaders didn't like it because they were, they were used to everybody doing what they said. For example, let's look at one example, Mark 2. Mark 2, Jesus and the disciples walking through the grain field. His disciples start picking the grains of head. The, the, the Pharisees must have been spying because they noticed that and they challenged him. They said, Jesus, what are your disciples doing working on the Sabbath? You know, they're just aghast. They just can't believe this. Jesus gives us a very important answer about the Sabbath. In Mark 2, 27, and Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Whoa, go back to the purpose. And then he says, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, both of those statements are huge. Jesus is saying to them, look, God didn't make the, the Sabbath, uh, you know, for, to, for, for, for us just to, you know, have all these man-made rules. The Sabbath is made for man. It's a very good. It's a, it's a blessing. It's a good thing. And then he, then he says, but I, the Son of Man, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Tantamount, equal to saying, uh, the Creator, God, Genesis 2, who gave you the Sabbath, that's me. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I define what, what it means and what it doesn't mean. Huge, huge statement. They probably weren't even 
picking it all up that, that they were saying. So there's that important uh, passage in the Gospels. Similar things are said. So we've seen the overview. Uh, remember God is creator and rest. Remember God is savior and, and, uh, and, and rejoice. And then thirdly, all the man-made rules became a real boundary marker. Fourthly, Jesus' perspective, it is for our good. Don't, don't follow all those man-made rules. It's for our good. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Tim Keller comments on that passage when he says, Jesus says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. He says, he, Jesus means that he is the Sabbath. He is the source of the deep rest that we need. He has come to completely change the way we rest. The one day a week rest we take is just a taste of the deep divine rest we need. And Jesus is its source. Because there's a work underneath our work that we, that we really need rest from. It's the work of self-justification. It's the work that often leads us to take refuge in religion. And this is, we're coming now to the key point about the Sabbath, is that Jesus is the Sabbath. Jesus is your Sabbath rest. All of the Sabbath in the Old Testament, every week of Sabbath, beginning back in Genesis 2, 1 through 3, all of us pointing to Jesus as your rest, as your Sabbath rest. In fact, Hebrews really expounds this. Hebrews 4 particularly. Let me just read a couple of verses, Hebrews 4, 9 and 10. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Okay, this is after the cross. We're no longer under the Mosaic law, but he says there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So that idea of finishing is important. What God is saying is that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Uh, we are in Sabbath rest. Remember at the outset I mentioned every one of the six days ends. There was evening, there was morning, first day. Not on the seventh day. I didn't read that in verse 3 because that rest keeps going and we enter it. We're in it because Jesus is our rest. Jesus is our Sabbath. All right, church, this is so important. Let's just get this. All right, there is something about our human self-reliance and pride all over the world that we want to earn our salvation. We want to prove it. We want to we be worthy of that. Every religion except biblical Christianity is ultimately you get to heaven by earning it. You work. You earn it. Every one of them. Only the Bible, it's grace, you don't earn it. And half of Christianity gets it wrong, and they've got to throw some works in some way. So, okay, well, I'll have faith, but I've also got to earn it. Half of Christianity does that. And the other half that doesn't get that, that gets the Bible straight, that it's grace, even we, even me, who preach, I preach this stuff, we've got a tendency to feel like we've got to earn God's approval. And that we've got to earn His uh, favor, and what the Bible says from cover to cover, including in the Sabbath, is that God has already done the work. Get off the religious treadmill of work. That's the work underneath the work. That's the worst work where we're trying to work to please God. Even this morning, even this morning, do you feel, feel, not know, but do you feel so accepted by God because of the work of Christ and that reason alone. Not because you've been good this week. Not because you read your Bible a lot this week. Not because you're a good giver this week. Not because you know the Bible. But because of the work of Christ. Now remember Genesis 2. When we introduced Sabbath. Big emphasis that God finished it. He finished that work. 
when Jesus Christ comes to here and he does the work of redemption. Do you remember what he says at the end right before he dies? He says, it is finished. Just as God the Father finished the work of creation, God the Son comes and he finishes the work of redemption. It is done. And you have been rescued from your slavery. Yea, God. Yea, God. If you've got residual guilt this morning because you don't feel so accepted in God's eyes, that's not from God. You are whiter than snow. Sabbath rest means you rest in the work of Christ. Friends, that is so different for us humans that we got to keep telling ourselves that we need every Sunday just to keep reminding ourselves, okay, I can get off that religious treadmill. I'm accepted by Christ. So Jesus is our Sabbath rest. That's the point about Sabbath in the Bible. Jesus is your rest from that work of trying to earn God's favor. He's your Sabbath rest. Soak that in. Soak that in. All righty, let's, let's be practical the last few minutes. Should you keep a weekly Sabbath like the Jews did? Okay, interesting question. Um, we're no longer under the Mosaic Law. We know that. That Jesus ended that at the cross. The Mosaic Law, the 613 commandments, not just the 10 commandments, but the 613 commandments. Everything that's law, ceremonial and dietary law, we don't keep that. I mean, I, I can eat pork. Uh, we don't keep those laws. We're not under the law. We're in grace, not law. Book of Romans. So do I keep the Sabbath? Well, the Bible basically says it's a matter of freedom. It really deals with it in two places. First of all, the day of worship because the resurrection day moves from Saturday to Sunday. But what does it mean and what, what, what do we do for a day of rest? Well, there's a freedom with that. Um, Colossians 2, verses 16 and 17, for example, would say this. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So all these laws, they pointed to Christ. Shadow's gone. Substance is Christ. So don't let others pass judgment on you. If you feel free to do certain things on the Sabbath and others don't feel free, that's okay. You're wanting to please God. But you do keep in mind that Sabbath was a gift for our good. We need the rest. So, you know, there's a pre-law principle of Sabbath rest that God made you to have. You need some rest. But the rest that you need is not the absence of work. It's the presence of God. That's why the weekends don't work for most America. They look forward to the weekend. Weekend gets here. Plenty of fun and games in the weekend. But Monday morning... They are just as soul-weary as Friday afternoon. Weekends don't work. That's because it's not just an absence of work. It's the presence of God. If you don't connect with God, and, and always the people of God have done that together, one, one day out of seven, we got, we're doing what you're doing right now. We're together in the presence of God. We're connecting with Him. We're going to sing that last song in just a few moments. As, you, as we're singing that song, if your mind is a thousand miles elsewhere, you don't have the presence of God. You're not connecting with God. But if that's your heart, and you're singing, singing those songs to Him, you're connecting with Him. Sabbath is happening in your soul. Restoration. You need it. You need it. You need this special day to pray and play. Just the playing alone, uh, the rest of America does. That doesn't work. 
you, you, you need to connect with God. So God made us for Sabbath rest. Uh, not, he made us that there's one day of week that you trust him. He's going to take care of your work if you just let it go and put it aside. He's going to provide for you. You trust him. Sabbath involves trust. It involves rest. It's a reminder to you. Oh, I've got the ultimate rest from my sin, and I've got God's favor. Denny Henderson on our staff team recommends that families maybe even take a Sabbath evening once a week, like a Friday evening or Saturday evening or Sunday evening. He suggests this. He said, uh, why don't you take a basket and everybody put their electronic devices in it and unplug. So you can really be focused on God. Why don't you all make a meal together? You know, even the little ones, they can, they can help. They can do something. Why don't you eat the meal together slowly? <laughs> and then keep the TV off. Throw the remote in the basket, remember. Keep the TV off. Play games. Pray together maybe. Talk about the goodness. That is a great idea. I wish I'd have been doing that when I had kids around. So a day, not just to play, but a day to play and pray. And be reminded that for us, it's not a day off. It is the Lord Jesus Christ is my rest. And we hear the words of Jesus to us this morning. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And in every sense of the word, Jesus Christ is our rest. Most importantly, our rest from guilt, from trying to earn God's favor and approval. We rest because of the cross. Deeply, church, deeply rest in Jesus.